What's up, Awakened Human? I'm your host, Angel, and you're listening to Lit Up For Life, the podcast. I'm on a journey to discover what truly lights us up, to bring you everything you could ever want to know about building ecstatic confidence and truly soulful self-esteem. I'm here to gather and share all the practical tools and support you need to awaken the fun and free force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful people? On this episode, I have the privilege of sharing my conversation with Rachel Pringle. She's an actor, an author, creator of the Wild Woman Experience, and a sensuality and dynamic tantra teacher. She's also, yes, you guessed it, one of my very best friends. Her and her husband, Johan, were the very first call we made when the house we were living in burned to the ground at the beginning of the year. They took us in, they fed us, This woman clothed me, jeweled me. She really is a living testament to the work that she does, living open as love and empowering women. And I had an absolute blast cosmic musing with her. And I know that you guys are really going to get a lot out of it. So enjoy. (laughs) We're already giggling. Hi, beauty. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like funny having you on because you're like my best friend honey but you are also this wealth of wisdom so I'm really grateful to have you here oh me too my love we're we're lucky that we get to be best friends and student and teacher to each other all the time yeah I always say that when people are like do you have a coach and it's not because I don't want one I definitely am so open to it but I feel like I'm so blessed that all of my sisters are such masters that I get to come to you guys Mm -hmm. and receive your potent medicine. So Mm -hmm. We are so blessed. (laughs) So, so blessed. So I want to dive right in. So for anyone who's looking at you, who's engaged with your work, met you, seen you anywhere, it's always very immediately evident, or I imagine for everyone, it's pretty immediately evident. It's seen, it's felt that you are dripping with confidence. You're very magnetic. You're basically a bona fide sex goddess. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> but were you always this confident and awakened in your sensuality? And if not, can you take us on that journey with you from wherever you were before to the woman that you are today in relationship to sex, intimacy, and pleasure? Mm, yeah, it's a great question. You know, the, the truth is, is that I've always been confident. Always, always, I think from um, my younger youth years, I base that off of the love that I receive from my parents. I'm very blessed to have two incredibly um, encouraging and loving parents. And I came into my sexual power at a very young age and <laughs> then I experienced da 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 shame, mm. and uh, I definitely shut down all the things from I would say twenty one to about twenty six is when I started opening up again. I was having experiences in between that, uh, yet I found that the beginning stages of experiencing this power. I was so aware that I had a power that could literally change people. 
And no one really teaches us about that. So I didn't really know uh, the consequences of it. Mm -hmm. And I experienced those consequences as, you know, quote unquote, betrayals and um, taking people's boyfriends and those sorts of experiences. And it shut me down for sure. It, It made me associate to that power as something bad. And so it really wasn't until I met my husband that I started to open up into that once again. And Mm. it's been a slow journey. It's been a fulfilling journey, absolutely, but it's been a slow journey. Mm. There's two threads I want to pull on. One, you mentioned your parents. And I think it's it's fairly safe to say that it's quite unusual for a woman to say, I was like, always confident and that until I was shut down later in life with shaming, I felt like confident in my sexuality and sensuality. Do you think there was anything like unique or particular about your upbringing that created that? Do you think it's karmic that you came into this life with it both? What's up with that? <laughs> I, th- I I definitely think it's a combination. I've, I've been told by many different people that this is a path that I was born into or that I chose to come into. And I feel that greatly. And I mean, this is part of that. My parents played a very pivotal role. The mm-hmm. one thing that really stands out is that nudity and the the feminine masculine form was very present in my household at all Mm. times. You know, my parents both have incredible taste in art and there was always pictures of nude women and nude men. And the topic of sex was never off the table. My dad had playboys and penthouses around. It wasn't something that I felt was repressed or suppressed. It gave me permission. And I was definitely a nudist child for sure. Um, I spent a lot of time naked. and, And whenever that sort of conversation arose, like I remember one specific time, like walking our front door is like clear. And I must've been like, you know, maybe seven or eight or something. And my mom was like, she didn't shame me about being naked. She just Mm -hmm. expressed, be aware of who's outside. And, you know, you're walking by the front door, just if you're walking by the front door, put something on, Mm. you know? So it was, she was very, uh, very, very good about never shaming my body. She was actually always encouraging me to, uh, love my body and to to wear items of clothing that enhanced it. She bought me my first like backless top when I was thirteen, and and you know she gave me a string bikini when I was before I could even wear a string bikini. And her expression was you know wear short skirts and string bikinis, you know while while you feel comfortable doing that. So it was never. I think the the basis of it is that I never felt any repression or suppression around sex. Wow. What a blessing. And an interesting thing to note that like, even with such a unique upbringing, the blessing of not having sexual repression or shame present in your home, it's like, it's still so conditioned in the world Mm -hmm. that down the line you run into it, which I want to get into a little more, but before I do, your mom, it sounds like what a powerful goddess. I also Mm -hmm. know your dad is Jamaican and I know that you spent a lot of time growing up in Jamaica. It's a big part of who you are, this culture. So do you think that influenced your expression? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. A thousand percent. And again, I was 
it was the freedom of the body. And I started, you know, going out there at a very young age. And I, I experienced, you know, the way that Jamaicans dance, you know, that is a very sensual act. The way that they dance is very connected. It's body on body. And it's not, you know, it, it, from an outside perspective, it could seem very sexual. But now from this moment in time, I can see that it's sensual because we would even dance that way with our family members and with our cousins because it was just um, connection and intimacy and it wasn't seen as wrong or bad. It was, it was just a connection point. And it really taught me how to be in my body, how to love being in my body. And when I was in Jamaica, which I spent, you know, at least four times I would go there every year till I was about, I don't know, 18 years old. And then at least once or twice a year after that, it was always about dancing and connecting and community and uh, dressing and encouragement from, from women, actually, you know, now that I'm thinking back about it, it was, you know, one moment sticks out in my mind. I think I was 12 or something and we went to a party and we started to dance and my girlfriends, you know, pulled me aside and took me into a room and they're like, listen, you know, we were going to teach you how to dance because you're, you're not utilizing all that you got. And <laughs> I feel so blessed that they, instead of again, shaming me or making fun of me, um, they, they took me in and brought me into that journey with them, which is a very positive. I mean, dance is such a massive proponent of my entire practice. Mm. Like speaking of that, again, I feel like that's a beautiful and in a lot of ways unique or unusual experience because I mean, for a lot of women, particularly teenagers, we experience this sort of feminine conditioning I think and mm -hmm. it's a lot around like scarcity mm -hmm. and comparing and it creates this sense of like competition and jealousy did you ever experience that side of things and if so like how how did that play out for you oh yeah absolutely I mean I feel when I think back about this it's radiance, right? When someone is confident, I think being growing up in Jamaica, everyone had a sense of confidence be because I don't, it's the culture in a sense. Everyone is quite like, <laughs> quite like For celebration. It sounds like, yeah, exactly. They're quite like they're, they feel into themselves. And so bringing that energy back into America was a bit of a challenge in a sense that mm -hmm. I had a group of friends in my middle school and high school years where, which loved me and I loved, and yet there was this definite undertone of jealousy and comparison and, and competition. And, and I, I gauge that because I'm a very social human being. I've been that way my entire life. I love talking to people, all types of people. I was the type of person in high school that was friends with all different types of people. And when I think back, the competition and comparison for me stems from the fact that I I was confident in I was confident in my communication mm -hmm. and they weren't. And so when you're because we're never taught this, the the natural sort of understanding is I'm not good enough or why can't I do this or or I don't have what she has. And I don't believe that ever to be true. It's just that part of me 
had been, you know, I'd been cultivating that for years and years already. I'd been going out and socializing in various groups of human beings from all over the world at a very young age. And in America, I don't think you have, when I was growing up, you didn't have that um, as readily available. So what do you think, like for women who are listening now, who are like, okay, I experienced that in other women. I experienced it in myself, this like scarcity, this feminine conditioning, which really is a result of patriarchal conditioning, but that's a whole mm-hmm. other can of worms. Um, <laughs> so we can't be too hard on ourselves, but this kind yes. of social conditioning to keep us separate um, of jealousy and comparison. And and if there's anyone listening right now that's like, okay, I want deep, soulful, nourishing sisterhood, like the kind of sisterhood that we have, that we get to experience with our other sisters, where there's like readily celebrating one another mm. and they want that but they feel in themselves there's still some competition and jealousy. They feel in the women around them perhaps. Like do you have any tips or ideas for these women? Like how can they start to undo some of that conditioning so they can call in sisterhood? Well, the the best thing to think of is using jealousy as a tool, mm-hmm. right? Envy and jealousy as a tool. When you feel into en- envy, is really feeling into something that you have that someone else has, but they're using it more, right? Mm -hmm. And jealousy is feeling like someone else has something you don't have. But I like to use this as an opportunity. If I see something in someone else, then that is the universe telling me that it's possible, right? So when I think about my, I had, we've spoken about this before. I've had this thought of, I have all of these really beautiful, powerful, brilliant, masterful women around me. Why did I create it to be as such? I created these women around me to give me permission to be in my fullest expression. So Mm. that's part of that, right? Is like when we're, if we feel levels of insecurity, which we all feel, but if we're in that period of our existence where we feel more insecurity than we feel security, we, we experience outside external representations of security as a threat when we can shift that, that narrative to be an invitation. You mm. know, if I'm seeing you or I'm seeing Liz or I'm seeing Moon as brilliant and powerful and beautiful and in, you know, running their business and being a incredible fucking entrepreneur, all of these things. It's the universe saying, see, it's right in front of you. It's possible. So Mm. you can take the initiative now to call that in for yourself. We'll be right back. I wanted to let you guys know something really exciting. Enrollments for the brand new and improved Lit Up for Life membership are opening Tuesday, the 25th of August. So we decided not to open enrollments this month, but I promise that next month you will have the opportunity to jump on board and join this badass tribe of awakened and awakening women. There's going to be seven full days for you to enroll, and this membership is an affordable pathway for the awakened or awakening woman. So every single month we cover new themes like September is shadow work, in October we're covering sensuality, and November is all about money and abundance. 
It is my mission and life's purpose to support you in up-leveling every area of your life through the only thing that really can, in my opinion, truly soulful self-love and spiritually sourced self-esteem. Every single month for around the price of a single yoga class and a smoothie, you're going to get an in-depth deep dive intro video for our month's theme, weekly guided practices, and a monthly live training with me, plus access to our entire community of other like-minded wonder women who are all completely devoted to healing and transformation. It's an incredibly beautiful space. And as women, we need these safe spaces to come together, explore, unravel, and to be reborn anew, to completely transform. And we get to do that together. This is a safe space for you to be seen and loved for who you are unapologetically. So if you are an awakened or awakening woman and you're walking this path alone or just want more tribe, community and epic tools that actually work to keep supporting you in transforming into the sexiest, most alive and embodied goddess that you are and can be, then come and join us. Head to litupforlife.com, pop your email there, and you'll be notified as soon as enrollments open. I'll see you there. I hear you saying like alchemizing the envy into inspiration. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow, it's such a powerful thing and and it's just so rich, the sisterhood that you get to experience. And I feel this sadness that the as women we've almost been like robbed of that or conditioned mm-hmm. um to be separate and i can potentially understand why that would be because when we are together we're so fucking powerful mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah I, I think that's beautiful advice is like using the envy to alchemize into inspiration uh, i want to take oh yeah the, go for it. the other thing i was going to say that i think is important is finding your tribe you know it's 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 an energy. I've had so many incredible, beautiful women in my life over the course of my experience, all of whom I deeply love, but finding the people that speak your language that you can go deep with. And I think that there's a misconception out in the world. that's like, oh, I see those girls. So I must be friends with those girls. And, and if you don't fit in, you feel this sense of rejection. It's not about you. It's not about them. It's just about finding and attracting the people that resonate deeply with your heart expression. And when you are doing and are in your own practice of sovereignty, of expressing, of loving, and of of spreading that radiance and energy out into everyone that you meet, you are going to attract those type of people that want to go on that same journey as you do. Yeah. It's like if they can't see that heart or that medicine that you have or who you really are, because we're not in the practice of being fully expressed, it's really challenging for for the people who are for us to find mm-hmm. us and connect with us. So mm-hmm. I think that's also really beautiful advice. I know a lot of people are desiring calling in their tribe. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a practical takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to come back to the sexual and sensual awakening a little bit. Just if you could give any woman listening right now a piece of advice, she's hearing you, this embodied, beautiful woman sharing that, you went through cycles of shutdown and shame around your sensual expression, but that you found a way to bloom open and and become radically 
awakened and not only that for yourself but to actually to such an extent that you teach this that this is your lived purpose so I feel like that's a a, a good example that um mm-hmm. you know any any woman can do this absolutely what, what advice would you give them like if there could be a, one piece of advice even somewhere the, to start the 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 place to start for me is letting go of the mind and getting into the body mm. that's really you know I didn't have a lot of experience sexually. I didn't have, um, you know, boyfriends when I was younger or consistent sex life. And I found myself, it's interesting to think about in this moment, I found myself, I would buy books uh, around sex and around, you know, uh, like pleasure. And I would read all of these things and I could understand it on an intellectual manner. And it wasn't until I made the step of getting into my body and learning about my own pleasure from an like, what's the word I'm looking for? Being able to luxuriate in my mm. own pleasure. And that mm. means taking the time to understand myself. You know, I, I, I would say that I've masturbated for a very, very, very long time. And there was a difference between when I was masturbating and when I started to do a pleasure practice. Mm. It's taking can you, a journey. Can you share a little bit about that? Like, oh yeah. 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 It's, it, you know, and, and I don't, I want to preface this by saying there's nothing wrong with masturbation. There's so many beautiful, um, aspects of that it's from, from like taking away your headache and helping you fall asleep and, you know, cultivating energy and it's wonderful. And there's a time and a place and a pleasure practice is exactly that it's luxuriating in elongated moments of pleasure. And, awakening and resensitizing our body and being to experience pleasure totality, like all over. You know, when we're, again, programmed and conditioned, not even on purpose, but by media, by religion, by schools, by everything that we see, by movies, by television, that it's supposed to be a quick thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be localized just in our genitals or just in our nipples. It's like our mouth, our nipples, and our genitals, and that's it. And so we ignore the rest of our body and we take this understanding of pleasure is quick and fast and you're supposed to know exactly what you're doing. And that was where most of my uh, fear came from is because I didn't know what I was doing. I and everyone had projected onto me because I'm a beautiful woman and I am, and I have always been embodied in a sense that I love my body and I'm connected to my body. But I was like, I fucking no idea what I'm doing sexually. Like, I don't know what it's like. So once I started to get into my body and then again, dancing, that shifted everything for me, mm-hmm. you know, to dance and to be in your pleasure practice is the same sort of energy. You want to have those elongated moments where your intention and attention is solely on discovering what you're experiencing on a sensory level. Mm. Yeah. And I guess that leads into like, what is it to be sensual, mm. a sensual woman? Like, yes. what does that really mean? I, I love this question because this is just this became really acutely aware to me just recently. Sensuality, there's a reason why I don't necessarily call myself a sexuality coach or a sexuality teacher. There is an aspect, a great, 
deal of my work is in that realm. However, what resonates so deeply is sensuality because it's the senses. It's not just about sex. It is about awakening to the senses, the smells, the touch, the hear, the feeling. All of that is is present. And that's when we get to experience the fullness of our pleasure, when we have all of our senses working together to feel divine energy is how I like to describe it. That's why all of what I do is incorporating all of the senses. That's why I think as women, we love to cook. That's why we love sense. That's why, you know, it's, it's gathering all of our senses. And when we, when we are in all of our senses, we are so present to the moment. Mm, and that's that to me. Yeah, it's exactly. That to me is is tantra. That's that's what my understanding of dynamic tantra is is full presence of the moment and surrendering into the fullness of the moment. And you need all of your senses to do that. Mm. Yeah, I think that the masculine perspective on spirituality has kind of robbed us. In a, in a sense, I feel like robbed could be an, an intense word or maybe not, actually. Maybe it's just accurate. But, you know, most of the spiritual teachers that we see are men. It's, yes. it's changing. It's starting to change. And many of the spiritual lineages that have been passed down, therefore, have been passed down through men, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. And the masculine is is divine and yummy and wonderful. I celebrate mm-hmm. it daily. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it's it's not, it is different. And there, mm-hmm. there is another aspect. We all have feminine and masculine within us, but, and this sort of idea of feminine spirituality, which I love you're touching on, like using your senses as a gateway mm-hmm. to the moment. I always say to clients, like we've been taught step one, which mm-hmm. is like meet the moment empty. That's the Shiva. Like mm-hmm. come empty of your expectations, come empty of your ideas, come empty of your ego. Very, very important practical step one but then it's like step two it's is shakti it's like mm-hmm. now find the pleasure pulse that's mm-hmm. innate in every moment it's like the heartbeat of life and i'm hearing you say that perhaps our senses are the way to do that step through to find that pleasure pulse in every moment and use sensuality and pleasure oh my gosh god forbid mm-hmm. as a spiritual practice it is spiritual there's nothing yes. shameful about it why do you think that i mean it's a fairly big question but why do you think women's sensuality has been suppressed like what's up with that <laughs> and if women at listening are feeling like a, a contraction or like feeling like oh around their own pleasure their own sensuality maybe they're checking out maybe they feel numb mm-hmm. during sex well, do you have any advice for people that are feeling the weight of suppression or shame yeah absolutely i mean i love everything that you just expressed i completely and fully agree and this is something i've spoken about quite a bit is that all of our most the majority of our teaching comes from the masculine space and i agree with you that shiva space is so necessary. And then the next level of that is you need to feel. Feeling is Shakti. That's, that's a, that is not a, you know, intellectual, you can't intellectualize your way into a feeling. You just can't. A feeling is a body sensation. And so there's so many ways that we can go into this question. There's so many different avenues. I think the the main basis of all of it is that we're afraid of our power because it is that powerful. You know, we, as I say this on 
all of my courses and all of my wild women's like we create life all men in the entire universe come from women <laughs> you know it's we are the creatrix and there is a sense of uh pressure around that because it feels like a great responsibility you know we're mm. afraid to fuck it up but that's also tied into society because it's power in our society is directly correlated with perfection right and men kind of yeah yeah, yeah. but that's the reason why men can they can what's the right word they can be own quote unquote power. yeah own their power more because they're not as emotional mm. right so that's why the perf they can feel more perfect in their expression because they're not they, they don't give way to their emotions and in society's views that can be like okay that's better but it's actually not because our emotions when we dive into them and give them the space that's needed to teach us are literally game-changing expressions. That's why so many female practices are, you know, uh, suppressed because the power that lies within them can literally move mountains. It can change lives. It can change the world. So it's, but it is in a sense, it can feel like to us volatile because for so long we've been told not to feel our emotions, that we're crazy and that we're insane. And so when we first start to experience the level of our emotions, it is a lot. Mm. It is a lot. And, a lot. We, we, <laughs> and we try to, we try to come at those emotions with our mind and mm. you can't come at emotions with your mind. You have to come with your body. Mm, I love that. And the, I, the funny thing is as well, is like, if you come at emotions with your body, they will bring you so much information, oh, yeah. which is probably why women have been deemed or the feminine energy, should I say, present in all of us, mm -hmm. um, if we identify with it, that energy has been representative of intuition. And like, I feel like, okay, if we're quote unquote feminine identifying folk are more quote unquote emotional and yet emotion holds so much information about mm -hmm. how we're experiencing the moment. Mm -hmm. And if we can, like you're saying, get into our body or find a way to navigate, be with the intensity, it gives way to so much information and insight. And so I wonder, I'm hearing you say, get in your body. What do you do when you're feeling hit by a tidal wave of emotion? Like, you know, it's, I want to specify and say, again, society has made us feel like being emotional is wrong. Mm. Emotion, being emotional is not wrong. Being emotional is being connected to the energy of every single moment. It's energy in motion. <laughs> you know, so that's part of it, right? Is get, getting over our own conditioning and programming to think that because we're emotional, we're bad or wrong. And when the emotion comes on, the strong emotion it is like, I like to give it an actual weight, right? When you feel an emotion in you, it can feel sometimes like fire. Sometimes it can feel like a deep dropping sensation. Sometimes it can feel heavy. Sometimes it can feel uh, electric. Mm -hmm. So it's a feeling thing, right? And how do we lean into that feeling? The two things that arise is, you know, I do breath work 
every single morning. And what that means is I'm breathing and moving my body. So I'm not doing like a, uh, a still breath work. I undulate my spine and I, I rock my hips and I'm moving into my body and breathing into all of where those um, emotions lie because they all show up in different parts of our body. Where is that emotion showing up? Okay, can I breathe and move into that space so that that the fullness of that emotion can reveal itself to me. So it's like the aspect, everything that you can, that we're speaking about is leaning also into the realm of, you know, women as witches, you know, it's like you, we can use these powers to basically create whatever we want. And we've seen it all over the place, but there's so much stigma around it. So we become scared. Mm. You know, I feel, I feel like that's such a practical takeaway as well. I mean, to back it up a little and I want to pull on these, all of these threads, mm -hmm. but the idea of like giving the emotion a description, is it electric? Yes. Is it fire? The idea that feeling itself isn't bad, like being emotional isn't bad. You know, I think there's even a part of me that sometimes forgets that because mm -hmm. it's so deeply conditioned, but I feel like if we're paying attention to the world <laughs> and yeah. life, you're going to be feeling a lot like oh, 2020, yeah. honey. Like if you ain't feeling, you're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, so being, what does being a witch mean to you? I think being a witch is really having, you know, you're attuned to the energy. That's mm. really what it is. And I, you know, there's so many different types of witches and, and, Mia and I, who I'm sure you'll have on the show as well, is we talk about this all the time. And I describe myself as an energy witch. You know, I am attuned to energies in in all moments. And that doesn't mean that I'm like know what to do in every moment, but my awareness is around what is happening in the moment and how can I open energy into the moment. So I, when I speak about this and when I teach about this, I always say, this is a physical thing. This is not something I'm doing with my mind. My awareness is on it, but it's a physical thing. How can I open my heart more into this moment? How can I use my languaging, right? Abracadabra to open and disarm the energy of this moment so that everyone's in their heart. How can I ground people's energy by speaking to them in a way that they can receive and open? Mm. Yeah. If there's anyone listening that's feeling like they're resonating with this idea of magic or witchery, but there might be like fear or shame programming around that. Cause I know that again, like if you think of the word witch mm -hmm. in the modern day context, there's a lot of programming around that word. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of like fear programming and shame. How did you ever have that? And if so, how did you kind of come back into loving and intimate relationship with that part of yourself? You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I, I, I haven't, I mm. have, you know, and I really, again, thank my parents for this because from such a young age and throughout, it, I was always told to be my own unique version of myself and everyone has their own unique expression and every unique expression is needed. And if one is lost, the whole world is off kilter. That's why I believe that we're all here for a reason. So it's, I was always taught to, to own whatever expression I'm in. And so I never really had that moment and I never had a stigma around which, because I, you know, 
a witch is really a woman of wisdom and and it's not it's not something that's outside of any of us that's my true belief we're all we all have that aspect of ourselves men women included whatever it's it's about manifestation is magic you know if you if you are in the the like the new age energy and you're working on manifesting and vision boards and mantras you are all performing magic you know mm-hmm. you are you are all in your own expression of witchery you know buddha and all of these krishna they are using mantras that is a form of witchery it's abracadabra speak it it is so you know that's what i feel is we're utilizing again our senses to move and create energy. Yeah, I really think it's just about finding the languaging yes. th- the, that wraps around the methodology that allows you to most connect with it. You know, like yeah. you can call it quantum, you can mm-hmm. call it witchery, you can call mm-hmm. it manifestation. It's like, what, or you can just call it like being clear on your goals. It's like yes. for me, I'm like, I don't care what ship we wrap the energy in as long as the ship arrives on the shore of your heart. So mm-hmm. if exactly. you're and you're like, I don't know about this, then find something that works for you. And, and or if you're listening and going, hell effing yes, yes. Um, then you're also in the right place, my love. <laughs> yeah. Which Which is just a buzzword right now. Just like manifestation was a buzzword, just like quantum physics was a buzzword. It's exactly. It's just whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to resonate with so that your heart can be open to your powers. Go ahead, girl. Yeah. A little bit of sugar to make that medicine go down. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to pivot a little because um, I want to make sure we have time for the juiciness. You mm. are in a deep, beautiful union and marriage with a very wonderful man who's also a dear friend and brother. And I know a lot of women listening are deeply desiring to find love, like the real deep, juicy, supportive, spiritual, soulful kind of love that you and your hubby share that I'm grateful to say that I have. What would your advice be for anyone looking for their partner? Mm. This is beautiful. And I think there's, there's two things to say. And the, the meeting of those two things in the middle is, is sovereignty. And this can look two different ways. One way from one angle is how can I be full on my own, right? And how can I be in my own self-love, in my own pleasure, in my own joy, in my individual expression, uh, experiencing the fullness of my life so that my energy alone attracts someone to come and meet me in my in this equal place of vibration right and then the second aspect of for me I say this for for the other women out there who who are experiencing that for me it was I was always single and I was always very happy on my own and there came a time in my life literally a, two weeks before I met Johan, where I realized that I wanted to share my life with someone. And so I'm speaking to the woman who really deeply desires to have a partner. If you really deeply desire to have a partner, you must find your partner within you first. Mm-hmm. And number two, the woman who has found the partner in herself, you have to also be willing to be penetrated by another. 
So for me, I had it all together and that didn't really, wasn't super appealing to a man. If a man can't like feel that he's desired and needed and, and, and there's like a, a energetically, right? A juicy space to penetrate, like energetically in your heart space, not just your pussy, your heart space. It's not attractive, a man doesn't want to be with someone who who has it all together, quote unquote, and can do everything herself because then they lose their masculine expression, right? So yeah. dare I yeah. say like humans, like we're social mammals and I feel like being needed mm-hmm. in a way like oh, is yes. what connects us. Yes. Yeah. That Absolutely. like when you're like, I have it all together. I don't need anyone. It's like, okay, you don't need anyone. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, we're social mammals. Life is better together. And they're in, and in a way we do kind of need each other. Cause even yeah. if someone was like, well, I don't need anyone. I can order my food. I can have this and that. It's like, yeah, but the person delivering your food yes. or the person delivering your Amazon or the person driving your car or the person that built your car. It's like, yeah, even if there's all these like artificial things between us, we actually do still need each other. And mm-hmm. so what I'm hearing you say is like, yes to the sovereignty piece, not the need coming from that like low level um, or the anxious like self-worth place. Like I need someone to complete me so I'm okay. It's like, exactly. no, not that need. It's like, I'm okay and I'm my life is rich and exactly as you did, it's so beautiful. It's like, and I want to share it with someone else. Yes. What do you see most commonly in your work? Do you, do you see a mix of both? Is it like women who are like, I don't need anyone, but I kind of want someone, but I don't know how to let them in. Or is it more that like, what patterns do you see in women that that block them the most from calling love in? I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a mixture. The The two patterns that I see the most is you know, the pressure of I'm waiting for my king, I'm waiting for my king, I'm calling in my king, I'm calling in my king, I'm calling in my king. And it's like, there is an energy tied to that, that once this person comes in, everything is going to be great. And so it, it comes from that energy that you just expressed, I need someone to complete me. And there's so much tied into this, and I'm, I might as well go in it. And the first aspect of this is, we're, we don't need anyone to complete us. What you're calling in in partnership is a mirror. Are you fucking ready for that? Because so many women (laughs) who are like, I'm calling in my king and he has to be like this, 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 and this perfect, 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 perfect. What they're basically saying is until I'm perfect, 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 I'm not going to attract anyone. Mm. You know, so it's like Johan and I have, we're together seven and a half years now. And yes, we were like instantly connected and it was, but it has been a journey and we are each other's teachers and it has been the most rewarding expression. Talk about being in the practice. I thought I was doing that on my own. Are you fucking kidding me, man? It's like, this is where it is. And so you have to have the willingness for a, like the, the issue around the pressure of the King from my perspective and Johan is a King. Patrick is a king. Like we have kings, yes, bless. But the energy of the pressure around it is like when the when the quote unquote idea of the king shows up, and then they show one piece of vulnerability or one piece of quote unquote weakness. We're like, this isn't our king. He's not good enough for me. What they're basically saying by doing that is they're they're judging themselves. I have yeah. to be perfect in order to get into my king queen relationship. 
or mm. or queen queen relationship or king king relationship it's like that's not real it's partnership is growing together and then the other aspect of that on the other side is like when you call in that person that mirror oh i have it all together and then someone gives you a reflection you're like no no no, no. that's that's actually not me that's you oh, and it's like the there's spiritual switcheroo i've had a few of those <laughs> You're like, wait, what? What Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) There's no room. There's no Mm -hmm. room, you know, and partnership is about making room in your life. Ooh, yeah. And there is going to be compromise and sacrifice. I think something Mm -hmm. that people don't talk about often is like grieving Mm -hmm. your solo life. Mm -hmm. It's like people, what I notice as well is like get into relationships and then they're like, oh, but like I used to do all these things and I used to be like this and da, 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 da. And of course you want the partner that you're with to enrich your life and experience. Like that's an indication you're with, you're Mm -hmm. in a good match and the dynamic is healthy, but, and like you are now in a relationship. So there's a renegotiation of your time. There's a renegotiation of your energy. And so there is a grieving process, I think, for each of you of like the life you had as a single human. Absolutely. Do you, and like people don't talk about that when they're like, yeah. I'm all fat, my king, and like everything's going to be real good. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, the, I mean, it, it's just the truth. And, and yes, Absolutely. I remember the beginning of, of Johan and I it was like simple things of like, oh my God, I need times. I need a time to just like give myself a pedicure. And like, when do I have time for this? And it seems so silly, but there is an important grieving process. And there's being aware of resisting that grieving process. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I also see quite a bit of is, well, it wasn't, it was so much easier on my own. I have girlfriends say it's so much easier on my own, so much easier on my own. And I'm like, my love, you think that right now, but I've been the one holding your hand as you cry every week because you don't have a partner. You know, it's just that you're resisting, you know, sharing your life with someone and there is compromise, <laughs> a compromise. And when yeah. you can surrender into that, I mean, my life is exponentially better with Johan in it. That's like, that's a no brainer. He makes my life better. I make his life better. He's looking at me right now with a cute little face. <laughs> He's like, who me? Who me? And, and there was a, there was a, a, a grace period of, of you have to find your sovereignty within a relationship, right? You don't want to be over like interdependent on that person, but it's, it's finding all of those nuances that that you get to do together that are so brilliant and beautiful. Yeah, it's like that that reconfiguration that happens when you meet someone and you're like, okay, what if this stays? What if this goes? Where do we renegotiate our time? Where do they give in or and we hold steady or where should we give in and they hold steady? Mm-hmm. It's like this complete reconfiguration of our life, our being, like emotionally, physically, mentally literally mm-hmm. reconfiguring our entire life to yes. make space for and to take up space in and to separate, have your own space in. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. so nuanced, no one size fits all, but yeah, it's, um, it's a trip. So it's what trip. would you say are the, some of the most challenging aspects to being in a relationship for you personally? And how do you, how do you navigate it? How do you guys navigate that together? What's the deal? You know, I I th- I think it really comes back to you you have a mirror, you know, and when you get into the right partnership and you can feel what that feels like and 
we all know that is like, it's great. And it's also a little challenging. And the challenging thing is that you now have someone who's reflecting back who you are moment to moment. And so there's, there's, got to be this willingness to be able to look at your own stuff. And that can be challenging. You know, I would say Johan definitely challenged me a lot around my sexuality in the beginning of our relationship. And that was very challenging for me. And as we can see now, seven and a half years later, bless that fucking man, because he led me to my purpose here, you know, and which I knew, but I didn't have the, the tools to like, create that for myself. It only came through his mirror of saying, you know, you have this power dwelling inside of you and you have to bring it out. I want more. He kept on saying, I want more. This is, you have more in you. You think you're powerful now? No, there's so much more. He kept on pushing me and that was challenging at times and literally the greatest gift ever. But there's, there was like, I experienced rejection and I experienced um, self-doubt and I experienced confusion because they're showing you your blind spot. So there's going to be this level of looking at something you haven't really ever maybe looked at and you feel like wobbly around it because it's a muscle that you've had your entire life and you've never used. Mm. Advice on how to give good reflections as a mirror. Oh. My goodness. Conscious communication, my loves. Everyone, conscious communication. I think say it with me now. <laughs> yeah. Conscious communication. And and the the other aspect of that that I think is really important um, is the tone of voice. How are we speaking to our beloved? And where are we speaking from? Are we speaking from our mind to their mind? Probably not gonna work especially if you are a female talking to a male, you know, or you're a feminine energy talking, talking to a masculine energy. If you're talking to their mind, it's defense mode immediately. Um, and for masculine to feminine energy, if you're talking to their mind, it feels like criticism. We shut down. So if we're talking from heart to heart and we're expressing through vulnerable energy, which means your energy is exposed to the other person, then then you can feel the truth of that moment and you can feel the care of that person coming to you. You know, mm. it's like they talk about the shit sandwich. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> give that nice juicy piece of bread, a little bit of shit inside, nice juicy piece of bread. I love you so much. You're so incredible. And from my perspective, I'm witnessing an aspect of you that is, you know, self-destructive or that is condescending. And the way that it makes me feel is uh, small and it feels like I can't open to you. And I'm aware that that's not your intention and yet that's what it's creating. How can I serve you in this moment to help you unravel this pattern? Mm, masterful. Mm. And the cadence thing, I think that's an important it's piece huge. that's left out a lot. It's huge. Yeah, because it because right there let's, you know, spiritual ego. Hey, oh, that shit is real, man. And you can have your your languaging verbatim, but if you're speaking to someone like, well, from my perspective, you're a fucking <laughs> asshole. It's like <laughs> There's a part of me that thinks you're a yes, jackass. Exactly. I don't realize that's not your intention, but but it fucking sure feels like it. <laughs> Here, yeah. so 
I don't understand why you can't receive that. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's definitely the cadence and the tonality of the voice is a huge thing. And it's it's vibration. Everything like, you know, the the vibration of the heart, the vibration of the earth. It's a different frequency and it puts you into your heart so you can hear. Yeah, I have to watch in myself. I get like what what I what me and Patrick realized is me just trying to remain in my calm, mature adult when I'm feeling like, uh-oh, <laughs> we're about to take a turn here. It's like one of us is is like no longer in the mature adult and is either in like rebellious adolescent or like mm-hmm. coming for, operating from a wound essentially. Mm-hmm. If I'm like trying to put either my own wheels back on or keep the wheels back on for both of us, because that's kind of a thing, right, in relationship. Yeah. If one of you is – at least one of you has to be in your like mature adult or your like inner being, like in your calm heart space at all times. Because if at least one of you isn't, because we all have wounds and we're going to operate from them at some mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like when I'm trying to keep it together and like not fall apart, um, from a place of care, sometimes that would come across as like me getting into my therapist voice and being mm-hmm. like, okay, so, um, and like trying to feign softness. And it's not that I was feigning it. It was, I was trying. And I, I remember Patrick being like, it's kind of condescending. I'm like, okay, we got to work on that. <laughs> it's like, but it's even having those vulnerable and honest conversations of like, yes. wow, that's how that feels to you. Mm-hmm. What's actually going on inside of me is like, I'm doing the best I can to not turn into a screaming banshee. And yes. so <laughs> I think that's really important. What you just expressed as a level of conscious communication people don't often talk about is, you know, the way that you're expressing, I know that your intention is this and what I'm experiencing is this. So that we can, you know, because it's like none of and you learn, yeah, like, I, oh, no way. yeah. I don't think any of us, the majority of us, are trying to be malicious or trying to hurt each other. We're just reacting from wounds, and if we can understand that on a on a spiritual level, that we are all healing in our own right then we can drop into like, oh, okay. Like you don't mean it like that. I'm reter- I'm interpreting it that way because my father used to have that same tonality. And so I'm connecting it to blah, 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 blah. It's like, there's so much that goes into it. And you get to know each other's characters. Hey, you're like, oh, yeah. uh, the longer you're together or the more you practice this kind of vulnerable communication and you know what's actually going on inside of them when that character comes out, you're like, it creates understanding, which creates compassion. You're like, yes. oh, that, there's that therapist voice that she gets sometimes. She's, <laughs> she's trying, right Yeah, now. she's trying to hold it together. <laughs> That's the loving thing. Like how can I support or vice versa if one of his characters comes out and I'm like, oh, I know this wound or this mm-hmm. pattern. And it, yeah, that understanding from that vulnerable communication allows us to be incredibly compassionate when otherwise it can I think the the most beautiful thing to to ping right after that that you and I have talked about so many times is is being able to apologize in the moment and mm-hmm. and even if you feel a really big part of you feels like it's the other person's <laughs> fault. But apologizing for the understanding of what your expression could have pinged trauma-wise in them. Yeah, like find something you can be sorry for yes. like, and take responsibility. It's so yes. disarming. So and disarming. Do you, do you find it relaxes your whole system as yeah. well? And then you're like, oh, 
wow, that wasn't as hard or as like terrifying as I thought being right. Isn't such a big deal. (laughs) And, And because it's, it's, it reminds you in that moment that what you really desire is to be connected. And so this is, you know, if we go from micro to macro, relationship is really about helping each other heal in the most loving, compassionate container. And so if we can understand that the pretty much the majority of triggers or quote unquote fights that we're experiencing are some sort of quantum instantaneous ancestral healing, we can have more compassion for each other in the midst of it. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of that Eckhart Tolle quote, like if we can understand that our relationships are here to help us grow instead of make us happy, then we'll release a lot of suffering. God, yes, yes. Mm. Happy is such a like, it's such an interesting, weird thing. You know, it's a small word and it's like happy can sometimes mean like nothing bad can happen. You're just supposed to be happy all the time. But when I think about joy, you feel joyous when you have a, a really deep, you know, uncomfortable, vulnerable conversation with your partner and you come out the other side and you both have deeper understanding for each other, deeper love and compassion. And then you feel this joy of like profound connection. That's what mm. we're striving for. Mm. Yeah, you got to be willing to um, go through the mud. What is it? No mud, no lotus. It's like most of us are like, I want the king and yes. I want the like fairy exactly. tale, but like none of that growing shit, none of this mirror, like learning <laughs> conscious communication, having to say sorry first. Like, let's just none of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't work that way, honey. Well, maybe it does for you. I don't know. Call me if that's you. Bless you. Yeah. Um, anyone listening. So I want to touch on something. I feel like we could muse on this forever and ever you're a wealth of knowledge and I'm like we could go on and on but I want to touch on a specific thing because you and I talk a ton about this we support each other through these cycles so (laughs) as part of being a woman who bleeds we have these cycles hormonally and I know yeah we go through this together honey actually kind of a good thing that we don't usually see yes (laughs) um But I feel like a lot of women who bleed kind of suffer in silence with this or feel like they have to tough it out. Again, maybe it could be that programming we were talking about earlier that like being emotional means you're crazy Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever. And that was me until just a few years ago or even like not realizing that there is a pattern to your moods and and how it relates to your cycle. Again, Mm -hmm, that was me mm -hmm, even just mm -hmm. a few years ago. So can you share a little bit about your own cycles and how you experience the different phases of being a woman who bleeds? How does that manifest for you? And how do you navigate through it? Mm, I mean, yes to everything you just expressed. I mean, it's interesting to me that I didn't start getting a regular period until I met Johan. And so before that, I got my moon like every four to five months or something, three to four months. So all of a sudden when it started coming every month, I was just like, what the fuck is this thing? This is, (laughs) this is crazy. Wait, I thought I just finished. It's back again. What? (laughs) And it's like, what the fuck? And it took me a while and I am so grateful for the awareness around this cycle and the pattern that aligns with this cycle because then you have, again, so much more compassion for ourselves during it. The, the, I, it's funny, I just spoke about this in my course on Sunday. There is, there is this level of I feel amazing and then I feel 
terrible in every single cycle. So every month we go through that period, right? Where we're existential, we think we're ugly, we've gained 15 pounds and we're disgusting and I don't know who I am and I don't know what I'm doing, what my purpose in life is. And what's so beautiful is that the the stuff around physicality, like body, ugliness, that kind of stuff, I got a quick handle on that. Luckily, quite early on because I was deep in the midst of my own sensual embodiment practice at the moment. So I started to say, you know what? Yesterday I felt amazing. There's no way I could have gained 15 pounds in a day. So I have to see, I have to be smarter than my mind, right? So getting out of my, my mind in my, in my head and getting into my guttural mind, which is my intuitive mind in my stomach and start to see that this is a pattern. And I would just, I, and this is my general, you know, view on criticizing thoughts always is I am a fucking champion for myself. And so if there's a thought that comes in, that's like, you're fat or you're ugly or you're gross. I'm like, no, immediately. No, this is Mm. not true. This is an illusion. And I replant what I am, which is beautiful. And I'm in, I'm in my strong best body and I'm in my optimum health. And I've eliminated words. I think this is so important for women. I've eliminated words like skinny. Skinny is a fucking trap. You know, it's when I think of skinny now from my perspective, for me, it symbolizes an old version of myself that was weak and weak. What I mean in, in a literal sense of weak in my body, I wasn't eating right. I wasn't working out in the right way. I was frail. I was tired. That's not my desire anymore. My desire is strength and flexibility and agility. And I want to feel powerful because I'm a fucking teacher and I'm a channel and I need to own this vehicle. And so that leads me into the next phases is like, if we can learn our patterns, it makes us more compassionate for every woman around us because they're experiencing the same exact thing. You know, it's like, I learned that, you know, we just talked about this the other day. We were together at that, at the, at that gathering of like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) society and media is like, oh, when you get your period, you're super hungry. And it's like, no, like you're hungry right before your period, you know, at least for me and at least for so many other women that I've spoken to. So it's about taking away this this imprint of what it's supposed to be that's been conditioned and put on us and start to take that cycle into our own hands and learn about our own process. When I get my moon, I don't want to eat anything. I do want to eat chocolate. I'll probably eat nothing all day and a huge bar of chocolate you know, but before my cycle, I am a ravenous animal and I need to eat way more than I would normally quote unquote, whatever that fucking means eat. But I wake up in the morning and I'll be hungry at 9am or like 830 in the morning. And I usually wake up at eight o'clock and usually I'm not hungry till at least 11. So when, if I notice that feeling and I can feel it in my stomach, I'm like, okay, I'm just finished ovulating. I'm in that part of my cycle where I need to replenish myself. And I think for women, the most important thing to know about this is like, this is directly connected to that, the skinny bullshit, which is if you are hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Like doesn't mean starve yourself. Doesn't mean stuff yourself. It just means listen to your body. You know, there are days well, I'll, you know, I'll, okay, I'll have a piece of toast and, and I'll have a salad and I'll have two bars of chocolate. 
and that's enough. And then there are days where I'll have, you know, two burgers, a half a pack of bacon and, you know, two slices of toast with honey. It's like, it's learning our cycles and being able to serve the cycles versus make ourselves be in purgatory around the cycles. Yeah. I think that's so important to like, just track your cycles, your moods, your symptoms. Like when am I more more hungry? When am I more bloated? When am I more grumpy? So that you can realize that this is just a cycle that's coming. It's going to pass. You're okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And then to have beautiful friends around you who can remind you like you do to me all the time and like I can do to you and being able to know, you know, where are you in this cycle? Yeah. And also to know what, what, what medicine you need during which parts of the cycle. Like when I first get my moon, the most ideal thing for me to do is to take a two hour bath and read a book. You know, that's, that's what I need in those moments. And yeah, we were intent. We were originally going to have this podcast recording a couple of weeks ago and you got yes. your moon. And I remember we both, I was like, babe, take a bath. Like let's, you know, have the day off. And it, I mean, we're both incredibly blessed to have a life and run businesses. That means we can do that. Mm-hmm. But, and I feel like there's ways, little ways that women can support themselves. Yeah. And the only way that we can do that is if we know mm-hmm. what our cycle is, when it is, how we uniquely experience that. And then, yeah, exactly as you're saying, like, what do I need in those times to feel Mm -hmm. supported? And to really also invoke the, the support of everyone around you. Even if you have a nine to five job, say you have your people that you work with every single day, if you're on your first day of your moon, you can walk in and say, hey guys, you know, if this is what's in alignment for you, I'm on my moon today. I'm feeling very tender. I'm likely not going to speak as much as I usually do. I just want you to know it's not about you. I'm just in my own sphere and it would be great if you could honor that. Thank you so much. Then you're supporting yourself by helping everyone to know and understand what you're experiencing. Yeah, totally. You're you're giving them the keys to win. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So it's that time. My love, I can't believe how quickly it's gone. Oh, no. No. I'm sure you'll be back. But before we go, A, I want to go into some rapid fire questions. But B, also, yeah. (laughs) Where can people find you if they want to connect with you and your work? You can find me on Instagram at Positive Pringle, P R I N G L E, positive as in positive energy. And my website is IamRachelPringle.com. Lots of goodness. I have lots of delicious, free, sensual embodiment practices on my IGTV. I do wild women very, very often. Probably by the time this is out, every two weeks. And lots of courses to get you embodied into your sensual and sexual power. Yas, queen. Okay. So rapid fire. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Someone comes to you and they're feeling really down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Let's scream together right now. Mm, I've done that with you. It's so good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What's the most important thing for successful relationships? The ability to forgive. Ooh, love that. I thought you were going to say conscious communication, but Mm -hmm. you... You surprise me endlessly, my darling. <laughs> Your, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? 
a leopard. I see that. Mm-hmm. You look good in leopard. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, this is so easy to speak every single language that exists in the world. Oh, yes, queen. Mm-hmm. If you could only take one spiritual practice, one tool with you to a desert island, what would it be? Meditation. Get it, queen. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing that you own? Oh, gosh. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was crystals and books. Mm. I love crystals. <laughs> you do. you got a lot of crystals, honey. I'm looking at some crystals on my desk right here that you actually gave me after mm-hmm. the fire, you cutie pie, mm-hmm. along with my entire wardrobe, but that's <laughs> That's a friend right there. Literally mm-hmm. gives me the clothes off their back. Anywho, something you believe is true that other people think is crazy. Mm. Hmm. You can you can win a fight through love. Ooh. See that people? If you hold empty in trust. The answer arises in your consciousness. That's beautiful. You can win a fight through love. Mm -mm -mm. If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? Oh, Jesus Christ, girl. You know I love food so much. (laughs) You're Um, a cook too. This one is a chef, y'all. And I'm I'm dating a chef. Yeah, we love our food. It would be a combat, you know, salad delicious, like incredible meat, like tender, fall off the bone meat, uh, like the most delicious fresh bread with heaps of butter and cheese. Mm. Um, and like some sort of delicious cocktail. Oh, yes, queen. <laughs> From the bell end. Yes. Uh, Last one. If there was a universal answering machine, I know you're going to like this one, (laughs) and you could leave a 15-second note on it that everyone in the world would hear today, a few words or sentences, what would you say? Mm. You are worthy of your own love. You are the most important person that exists in this world. Open your heart and pour your own love into your divine soul because everything you seek is within you. Mm, I just got goosebumps. Mm -hmm. My love, it is such an honor to Mm. love you and to know you and to get to cosmic muse with you. Oh my nearly God. every day. And I'm so grateful that I got to share you with this community and share your wisdom. So mm. thank you for being here. Thank you, my love. It's I echo that. I'm so un, like unbelievably profoundly grateful for your presence in my life. You're such a, you're my alien priestess queen forever. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them. Wahaha. <laughs> 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 That's it for today. And if you missed our free live event, the Primal Priestess Masterclass, it was deep and wildly transformative. But never fear if you did miss it because you can still catch the replay. Just make sure to head over to litupforlife.com and enter your email there. We'll send you the access to that. 
plus a whole bunch of my other free and most life-changing content. And don't forget, if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, you're going to go into the draw to win a free game-changing coaching session with me that we're going to draw at the end of next month. Stay lit.